From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined as always by my co-host and producer Craig Williams. Craig, how are you this week? I am great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. We are having a very wet January here in Northern California. And we're having a ridiculously hot uh, January here in Florida. Well, it's fluctuating, but uh, Mm -hmm. there's been too many days in the 80s already. So I just, I, 70s are perfectly fine with me. 60s would be preferred, but 80s just too much for winter. I can't imagine that, as I'm sure our listeners in the Midwest <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. The, and, and in the northern areas and in other parts of the globe, I can't imagine that either. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm, and, I'm sure it's nice for all those people who are getting away down here for uh, vacation, whether it's, you know, marathon weekends or just holidays, Martin Luther King Day, all that. But mm-hmm. to live here is unbearable. No. Well, I, I, what was funny was, you know, we have listeners in Australia. And so, you know, a couple weeks ago on Christmas, it was funny to see them post their photos uh, on the beach, yeah. you know, celebrating Christmas and all that. That just, I just can't imagine Christmas, you know, where you're, you're going surfing, you know, and I, having barbecues on the beach. It's weird. It's just yeah. weird. I guess it's what you're used to. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this week we are going to uh, bring you something very different. We are, uh, Craig and I are putting on our um, our prof- professorial caps and gowns, and we are going to have our first session of Disney 101. And what we're doing is we are going to talk about books, films, and music, and more that we want to recommend to you. Uh, Because we receive many inquiries every month from you, our listeners, asking for recommendations for books about Walt Disney, uh, the Disney theme parks, Disney history, and more. So Craig and I want to share our recommendations for some of our uh, books, films, music, that we enjoy that have strengthened our relationship and increased our knowledge and appreciation for Walt Disney and his accomplishments that we want to recommend to you so that it will increase your knowledge um, about Disney. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. This represents the book, music, and films we routinely go to, view, or reference, especially in this past year or so of connecting with Walt, or for me on the Disney Unplugged podcast, Disneyland edition, and the history segments I do on that show. So we've 
try to include books currently available, along with some out-of-print books that are worth the search. Um, and Craig is going to have links to all of these in our show notes. Yep. So, um, so Craig, do you have your, your chalk and your pointer and your PowerPoint presentations all set to go? Sure, I do. <laughs> all right, class. I'm ready. Well, We'll, we'll, we're going to start now. So we're going to start first with Walt Disney biographies. These are not listed in any particular order, and uh, so it's and, and we're, we're trying to cover all facets of Walt Disney's life. Uh, Walt Disney never wrote a book on himself. He actually did never cared to. So there, unfortunately, there is no autobiography, but. Prob- the, the biography that I go to the most is Walt Disney, an American original by Bob Thomas. And what is unique about this one, it, it was that Bob Thomas really wrote the definitive biography of the man behind the legend. He wrote this book, unlike all the other biographies, he wrote this book with the full cooperation of the Disney family. Um, He had access to their private papers, to their letters. He interviewed um, many of them. And so he was really able to find out you know, stories that no one else knew, and to really try to get as much as he could into what made Walt Disney the man that he was. And so, I mean, he starts out from the beginning, uh, goes through when, you know, Walt was the unschooled cartoonist who went to Kansas City, who went bankrupt, um, but then who became the genius that we know. There's a lot of... Um, rare photographs in and so this is i think a really good work that captures the spirit of walt disney and even though it is uh he wrote this with the cooperation of the disney family it is not a sanitized version uh he does get into like the conflicts between um between walt and roy uh some of the Issues that came up between Elias and Walt, uh, so so there were definitely so he definitely covers everything to really give an accurate portrayal, yeah. I believe, of Walt Disney. No, and it's it's definitely my go-to biography in terms of Walt Disney. I mean, if it, gosh, who still goes to bookstores? I think we all just buy our books off of Amazon anymore. But, uh, you know, back in the days when people went to Barnes & Noble or Border, anywhere, um, there was two Walt Disney biographies that would sit on the shelf. This one and then, of course, uh, the mixed Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination, the uh, Neil Gabler book. And um, uh, the two of those uh Bob Thomas's book is definitely our recommendation on that. I, I can't say enough good things about it. So mm-hmm. I actually need to reread it sometime soon here. But I've got so many other books just <laughs> waiting to go. Yeah. Oh, oh, me too. And and Bob Thomas is going to come up again in our list of recommended authors yes. as we go on with the show. 
and and I'll talk a little about the Neil Gabler book in a moment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not 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 on my recommended reading list though. Yeah. Um, Walt before Mickey, Disney's early years, nineteen ninety nine to nineteen nineteen to nineteen twenty eight. This is by Timothy Suzannon. Uh, this is not to be confused with the film of the same name, Walt before Mickey. Um, regrettably, that film did not uh, did not draw enough inspiration um, from the from the text as it, as it could have. Yeah. Now, this is also about. Um, Walt's early years, and the nice thing about this book is, is that this was also sanctioned by the Disney family. the The foreword was written by Walt Disney's daughter, Diane Disney Miller. A lot of Disney biographies start off with Steamboat Willie in terms of Walt's career. This one goes, as we have been talking about on connecting with Walt. This is going. To, this starts. Um, 10 years before the creation of Mickey Mouse as we've talked about throughout connecting with Walt you know we've you know Walt Disney struggled and failed you know he and eventually of course succeeded in in the business and art of animation but this one um, this one really lets, it begins from when Walt Disney returns from serving in the Red Cross in France after World War One, mm-hmm. so Walt is a late—you know—Walt's in his late teens, and it goes through what we talked about in just a pre- one of our more recent episodes: how he started out working in advertising and commercial art in Kansas City, how he created basically his first four st- his four studios: KC Studios, um, Laughagram Films, um, the Disney Brothers Studio that we'll, we'll get into in a future episode in a little more detail and then of course the Walt Disney Studio and so Timothy Suzanne and he go he used company documents um, private correspondence between Walt and Roy um, he went through newspapers um, he went and did uh, he also conducted new interviews with people that worked with Walt Disney and he really gets into the um, really delves into the early career of Walt and just how complex it was and how really how hard Walt worked and how innovative he was in in just getting his career off the ground because we have to remember nobody did what Walt did um, and so this book really captures, you know, all the, the the starts and stops and restarts all along the way in in those first 10 years before Mickey Mouse, you know, that Walt went through. So, um, uh, yeah, I like a lot of the biographies that you've managed to track down and find. This is one of many that I just have to pick up at some point. Um Especially this one, considering I did sit through the uh, the. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about Walt before Mickey. It was a movie. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I have it. I have not sat down to watch it. I think well, someday we we have to do an episode on uh, films uh, films portraying Walt Disney. Yeah, the, and that that will get me to watch the some of the recent ones that came out that I just haven't really been able to bear to yeah, watch. <laughs> hey, I understand. Especially this one. So Yeah, and then one that actually is on my list of films 
that I do enjoy watching. Which one's that? Uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, yes, on this the, list. So. On this list, yes. Sorry. I like that Yes, one. no, I, I know you have that on this list. Of course yeah. that is on mine. That has to be on any list that so, we do. Yeah. So uh, another, another very good biography is Walt Disney's Missouri, The Roots of a Creative Genius by Brian Burns, Robert W. Butler, and Dan Veets. This, this also goes back even before the uh, it starts even before the uh, Walt before Mickey books. This starts uh, the time that Walt spent in Marceline from 1905 to 1910, and then in Kansas City from 1911 and 1923. What's interesting is all the authors have local ties to Missouri. Um, Burns and Butler, they work for the Kansas City Star, and they've published other books. And um, Veets is a lawyer, an author, and a Disney historian. What's interesting about this is this book really gets into uh, into all the people and places that were influential in Walt's life. Walt's family, uh, places that Walt went to, uh, Walt's teachers, Walt's neighbors, and how they um, how they all contributed to Walt's life and how they contributed to Walt becoming an artist and. Also, how did Walt develop his love for um, life in Marceline, his love for animals, and his love for family? So again, it's it's so that part is really well done. Um, then they t- then they go into the laughograms and animations, and again, and they go into the whole fledgling studio and its productions, yeah. and then they go through as we've talked about before, just a. The list of people that how they ended up all in how did all these people that went on to be just the stars of animation yeah. how did they all end up in Kansas City I don't know Ub Iwerks Carl Stalling um, Isidore Freeling Hugh Harmon um, Rudolph Ising uh, Joseph Benson Bugs Hardaway I mean just you know they were all starving artists that all were in the same place at just the right time that launched the animation industry and they weren't in los angeles or new york where animation was happening at the time i mean it's really amazing yes it is and and so this book describes that sometimes it extrapolates a little and it um maybe goes off and uh I don't know. It it it, it sort of it, it supposes some conversations that may have taken place mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things, but so it tries to fill in some gaps. Yeah. I don't know if that's absolutely necessary, but anyway. But it and then what happens is then the book jumps and it returns to to Missouri in the final chapters when you know we talked about in a, in a much earlier episode. Um, Walt's plans for revitalizing the St. Louis Riverfront area. Yeah. Which, if that had happened, there may not be a Walt Disney World that we know today. And also the several times Walt and Roy returned to Kansas City and Marceline for various functions and, and you know, awards and, and thing, dedications of schools yeah. named after Walt and stuff like that. So it's, it's if, you're, if you want to learn more about Walt, if you want to sort of learn a little more about what makes him tick, this again, it's a good, it's a very good book and, and it's an easy read. 
that. And then finally, this is a this is a different one. This is a, a nice overview of all it's, but it's it's a little different slant on him. It's called A Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow: Walt Disney and Technology by Christian Moran, and you know we we of course we we all know Walt for for animation, his films, his um, theme parks, of course, Mickey Mouse and all the, the the stable of characters that he created. But all of that came about because Walt's real passion was for technology. And as we all know, with that final Epcot film made shortly before he died, um, we know that his goal was that he wanted to make a better, prosperous, peaceful future for everyone. And he felt this was his destiny because he believed there was no one else who was capable of doing this except himself. Mm -hmm. And that this was something he absolutely had to do. And this was his uh, obsession, if you want to use the word, in his final years of his life. So... In this book, that's what Christian Moran focuses on. It does start out from Walt in the 1920s, um, as a, you know, when he's just starting out like the other books do, and then it goes into his dream of Epcot. But um, what this does is it focuses on the technology that Walt innovated in order to make all of these achievements in his life come about. So a little less on the interactions of people and places, but with an emphasis on his innovative, creative, and technological triumphs. And Christian Moran is a documentarian. So um, what this is, is this book is an adaptation of a film he made a couple of years ago called A Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. And it is available on YouTube. And it's it's a very good basic overview of Walt's life. If you want to introduce somebody to Walt, especially maybe a young person, uh, like a middle schooler or uh, a very precocious um, older elementary school person or even a high schooler, this would be a really good film, a, a good video to show them, A Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. And... It, what it does is it um, has some good recollections from Rolly Crump and Bob Gurr, and, and they're working with Walt. Of course, what's very nice is it has um, Jim Corcus, friend of the Diz. If you listen to our bonus episodes in December, yeah. you'll get to see what Jim Corcus looks like. He, he's almost the host of that film. And then Sam Genoway is also on there. We're going to talk about a couple of his books, Little. He's an urban planner and a Disney historian. He talks a lot about Epcot Center, the city, and then um, and, and there's also an animation historian in that film, Doctor Marine Furness, and they're also in the book as well. And so, uh, so it really it go it goes through Walt's life, like I said, focused on technology, how he pioneered technology to make his magic happen, and I, I think you will really en- enjoy both the book as well as a companion piece to the video that's online. So so you want to check it out. Yes, we'll have links to all that. Of course. Yeah. Said it before. Mm-hmm. We'll say it again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then finally, 
Um, Walt in Wonderland, the silent films of Walt Disney by Russell Merritt and J.B. Kaufman. Any books you get by these two uh, Disney historians and authors, Russell Merritt and J.B. Kaufman, are worth having. Um, They go through, again, sort of the Roaring Twenties, 1921 to 1928. They go through, basically, it's a critique of the 90 silent cartoons that Walt Disney and his animators made. Sometimes they would make one or two per month. And this one, it, it's it's a coffee table size book. And but this is more of a serious film critique of the film. This uh, of all of these films. This is one where um, you know this is great. This is very good for people who are students of film students of animation or who really are very serious about learning what went into the creation of these cartoons. Um, they, they draw on interviews with Disney co-workers, Disney's business papers, promotional materials, scripts, drawings, correspondence. There's beautiful um, illustrations um, in here. Uh, they talk about how... Um, how about like Walt's Midwestern values and how they 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 appear in all of these cartoons? They also talk about how, and we'll get into this as we talk about the shorts. How a lot of um, a lot of the things that Walt used in the early cartoons they resurfaced again later. In, in his live action films, in Mickey Mouse, in and in um, the Silly Symphonies that Craig and I are going to talk about in future episodes mm-hmm. of our series on animated films, this is definitely a um, this is is this is a, a, a film scholarship book. So it's it's a little bit different from all of the others that we've talked about. But well worth um, having in a collection, especially if you're a student of film. Yeah, you you will definitely want this book. So, um, do, um, did you want to? Before I get into the ones I don't recommend, Craig, was there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, like I said at the beginning, I actually a lot of like the biography list. I I really only have the Bob Thomas one, so. <laughs> Uh, I've got a couple of the other ones on my wish list on Amazon. So if anyone wants to be so kind to head over and find that and <laughs> give give the gift of helping me contribute more. I'm <laughs> joking, of course. But no, that's uh, the Bob Thomas one is honestly, it, it's one of my favorite things on my shelf. So okay. one of my first Walt Disney books and will be one that I never let go of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think I have two copies of that. One I bought when I was like a teenager, I yeah. think. And that 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 finally fell apart because I read it so much and so um yeah. so now I have a nicer version I bought at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Yeah, I know I know it was ago. written in the 70s and then they re-released it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But I've never I've never tracked down a copy of the pre nineties release to actually see what was different with it, if much was. I don't know. Mine is such a big old mess. I think I have it in a, a Ziploc bag. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
But um, now, a couple missing from this list may be on your shelves, and you're wondering why are you not recommending this? One is there is a biography that came out many years ago or decades ago by Richard Schickel. Um, I do not recommend that one at all. I think he has since publicly come out to regret that book. Um, a lot of the rumors that started a lot of the urban legends, a lot of the uh, a lot of the claims that people who work with Walt have spent decades trying to renounce, such as Walt was an anti-Semite, Walt was prejudiced against women or didn't like women, that Walt was a racist. Those all came from that book. Hmm. And the damage that was done by that book, there's people are still trying to deal with. Uh, and trying, like I said, they're trying to counter it by by saying, no, this is what Walt Disney was really like. And these are people, well, Floyd Norman, if you listen to that interview on our show from our October season, he addressed that. Uh, Richard Sherman, uh, you know, both of the Sherman brothers have addressed how anti-Semitism wasn't true. Yeah. Um, Alice Davis has, I mean, about, and, and, and many of the women that worked with Walt, um, that, that, you know, Walt promoted women to positions that studios didn't, wouldn't even consider women for. Um, you know, so, so the, you know, even the Imagineers that work closely with Walt all have said none of this is true, but yet, you know, all those rumors still persist. And it all comes from that book. And, and I have that book, but, um, but anyway. I cannot recommend it. And the other one you brought up, and that, and this one is, it was at the Disney Parks for years. Yeah. That is the Neil Gabler book. Um, this one, Diane Disney Miller was so appalled by that she actually contacted um, Bob Iger and the um, Disney board. Uh, telling them that she could not believe the Disney company was promoting this book and requested that they remove it. She would not have it um, in the Walt Disney Family Museum at all. Yeah. And and she will have many of these other books I've bought that I've already mentioned I've bought at the Walt Disney Family Museum. So she supported them. But uh, not this one. Uh, Neil Gabler did not have access to the... They made great, great... Uh, they said a lot, oh, he had unprecedented access to the archives and all that. He did not have access to the family. Yeah. And again, uh, things that he wrote about were based on rumor and innuendo. He suggested that Walt and Lillian did not have a happy marriage and and other things that, again, have been refuted by by family members and friends and people who worked with them, who talked about what a playful marriage they had and... Um, and, and you know, and and there were others other issues with that book. Yeah. So I so that is one that that I cannot recommend. Yeah. And it it is tough because he he did put a lot of research into the mm-hmm. book, but um, you know, it's he's not writing a textbook. He's at the end of the day, he's still trying to write a compelling biography, and uh, part of that is you want you want to entertain by it. You want to keep people. Uh, flipping the pages and so you know while there's no excuse when you're trying to be as historically accurate as possible there's no excuse to 
to start to weave and create your own narrative in a way. But um, you know, it, I, I think this one, the main, the main problem with it is it is just it's still so readily available. I mean, if you mm-hmm. search on Amazon Walt Disney, it, it's the first thing that pops up. It's it's what's out there most. So um, yeah, it's definitely not recommended, but for some reason if if you can't find any of the other things we're talking about which again amazon has really kind of helped with that um they've they've shrunk in the world by how much books they can get to people everywhere um if you really can't and you have to pick up that one then so be it but uh, you're doing yourself a a bit of an injustice by Mm -hmm. going with that one Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I agree. Well, let, let's move on. Let's let's sort of broaden our horizons. Let's yep. take a look at the Walt Disney Company. If you'd like to learn a little more about the the studio and the company that Walt and Roy created, there's some great books out there. Um, I'm going to start out with one by, by a Disney legend we just lost most recently. I talked about him a couple weeks ago on our Disneyland show. And that's one by... Um, Charles Ridgway, or Charlie Ridgway, as he liked to be called. That's Spinning Disney's World, Memories of a Magic Kingdom Press Agent. And he, Charlie, worked for over 40 years for the Walt Disney Company. Um, He started out at Disneyland. He worked, he went to Walt Disney World. He uh, then went to what was then called Euro Disney. And he even um, worked beyond that. And you know, again, he he talked. They, you know, this they, everything they did was a first in those days. And you know, and Charlie Ridgeway was there for them. This is just a lighthearted book. It's it's hilarious. Uh, he he has all these reminiscent, you know, memories reminiscing about famous people in the park, people whose names you know we know as Disney fans. All the goofy publicity stunts. You know that they yeah. put on. Um, it's very folksy. It's very much though a stream of consciousness. It's as if Charlie just sat in your living room and just started sharing stories. They're in no particular order, for the most part. Um, but you can tell he loved Disney. He felt that part of his job as a press agent was to protect Disney. Was to protect the magic. And that comes through in the book. Um, he loved his job. Yeah. That also comes through in the book. It's just a delightful book. As as I mentioned on the Disneyland show on Podcast Cruise 2.0, I he was at my table. Yes. Yeah. On the Disney cruise. And um, just a delightful man. And it was just one story after the other after the other. And then I'll bump into him all over the ship. And uh, and and so we would sit together at the in the shows that we you know and all of that and um, just such a nice man. He gave me all things from <laughs> packing tips when you travel to you know taking notes. I, I mean, it was all kinds of things, and, and it was really a, 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 a sad loss, you know, for yeah. the Disney community. You know, when he passed away. Absolutely. So, yeah, so if you want to get to know Charlie a little, pick up his book, Spinning Disney's World, yeah. and, and just get some insights as to, you know, they were really mavericks in um, figuring out how to put together, run, and promote, you know, all these parks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Another one is uh, Disney, The First 100 Years. This is by, of course, the... Uh, the, the, the man that started the Disney archives, Dave Smith, and also the first, uh, the, the founder of um, D23, um, Stephen Clark. And this was published in 1999. This went into the, this is all part of that, Craig, you remember the 100 Years of Magic promotion? Oh, I absolutely yeah. do. Yeah, after the Millennium Celebration, and you know how they came out with a ton of merchandise yeah. for that? This is one of them. This is probably oh, one wow. of the best things that came out of it. This is, uh, it, it covers the first hundred years of the Disney Company, and it starts out, the first entry is, of course, 1901, when Walt is born, and it goes through um, every major time period in the Disney Company. And there's at least, uh, there's at least about one page per year, because there's about 200 pages or mm-hmm. so in the book. There's a lot of photos. It is not encyclopedic, though, as maybe some of Dave Smith's other books are. Mm-hmm. One, one is later on in the list. Um, it's more of a narrative. And it's just a very nice, easy-to-read story, lots of photos in it. Uh, there's, it's all aspects of the Disney company. Um, the, the, and what it does is every year they cover the major events. So sometimes it, it, it'll feature something about Walt Disney. It'll talk about the major releases uh, of the studio that yeah. year, films and live action and all that. What theme park attractions were built you know that year. Yeah. Um, um, after Walt passes, the book um, it focuses, of course, more on the company, and um, rather than on you know, of course, on Walt or on people. Mm-hmm. And then the nineteen eighties and nineties get a whole lot more. They get a lot more attention because when you think about it, you know, the Disney decade, opening of all the various theme parks oh, yeah. in yeah. Walt Disney World. Um, remember the the various. Uh, movie companies like Touchstone and and that opened up under the Disney Studio label and they they what they they you know they took on Miramax and and a couple other studios yeah. and the, you know the well, you know Disney Channel things like that so there's a lot more for them to talk about so those final couple of chapters have a lot more in them but this is a really fun way to learn about all the business areas of the Walt Disney Company in that first hundred years. Hmm. Yeah, I never I never picked that one up. So I remember the one hundred years of magic promotion. Mm-hmm. I just don't you know, I wasn't buying stuff back then. I'm I'm yeah. sure I was wasting my money on pants <coughs> when I was going to Disney. Yeah, Actually, skin cap. And- I, I know I was wasting my money on pins. Sorry, <laughs> I can't even say my money. I was wasting my parents' money on pins. So <laughs> Oh, believe me, I have a good pin collection from those yep. days, too. Oh, I so. proudly display it, but <laughs> do I, looking back at it, did I need all of them? I don't, I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. Now, now the next one is, is that uh, a couple books I think would have made great films or even miniseries, um, except that Disney would, would not be the ones making them. Um, Storming the Magic Kingdom, Wall Street, the Raiders, and the Battle for Disney by John Taylor. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this basically, this book starts after Walt Disney's passing in 1966. And, you know, Disney's, uh, Disney went up and down in terms of success of films and 
you know, profits went up and down and all that. In 1984, it that was the era of the corporate raiders. You know, we saw companies come and go and get dismantled and things like that. Well, Disney came to the attention of corporate raiders such as Saul Steinberg, Ivan Boski, and Erwin Jacobs. And they recognized that the Disney company had a lot of assets and a lot of them were underused. And what they did was, as they had done with other companies, they started to buy up Disney stock with the goal of um, dismantling it and selling it off piece by piece. And um, so Steinberg um, formed a company called MM Acquisition Corporation. Of course, the MM stood for Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that the, the, the difference between this and other battles was that they were taking on Disney, but the Disney executives they were clueless as to the ways of Wall Street. I mean, they were running their company, you know, they were still producing The Love Bug and, you know, and all its sequels and and all this stuff. And so they had no idea how to deal with this. So they relied on the advice of, of defense strategists, like they went to Morgan Stanley and other firms, and Disney considered every option, and they had no choice but to take what was like the worst road that a company could go down in those days, and it was green mail. You know, so basically yeah. they had to repurchase its own stock from the Raiders at um, a price far above um, what the stock had been purchased for. So, of course, this saddled the company with a lot of debt, yeah. and it. Um, it also led to the downfall of, uh, you know, of Ron Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There had always been since, really since Roy passed away, even since Walt, but especially since Roy passed away, there would there had been a long, there had been a feud sort of between the Walt side of the company, you know, Walt's boys and Roy's boys. We talked about this in earlier episodes, and um, that. The Roy side finally won, you know, yeah. and, and we've gotten into that with how, um, Roy, you know, Roy Disney finally, um, you, you know, he went through all his machinations and we talked a little about it on the Disneyland show. And he installed Michael Eisner from Paramount Pictures and Frank Wells from Warner Brothers as Disney's new leaders. Um, this book, Storming the Magic Kingdom by John Taylor, goes into all of that. It is an absolutely fascinating story of sort of the the rise fall and rise again of the of the Walt Disney Company mm. and um, so I, I really recommend this book like I said it would have made a great film you know um, yeah and and then then we see how it how, how that saga ended with Disney War by James R Stewart Um because we see how the how you know in, in storming the magic kingdom we saw how Michael Eisner rose to power and in Disney War we see how he fell from power yeah um, you know as we all as many of us know know Roy Disney who was the chairman of Walt Disney Animation and of course nephew of Walt Disney um, he resigned very abruptly in November 2003 and basically went to battle with Chairman and Chief Executive Michael Eisner. And um, anyway, and the, it, it was just, it, it's a wonderful 
story of narcissism and drama and civil war. Uh, I mean, within within yeah. a corporation, and so. Um, Anyway, the, the the author had access to both um, Michael Eisner and Roy Disney, current and former Disney executives at the time, board members. He got access to thousands of pages of letters that had never been seen before, memos, transcripts, all kinds of documents. Um, so, so Stuart just he he answers questions that we we wonder about, like what really. What caused the the antagonism between studio chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg, who remember he he loved Michael Eisner, Michael Eisner was his mentor, and then they became fierce rivals. Yeah. Um, how could how did Michael Eisner misjudge Michael Ovitz so much that, that who was his friend? He appointed him the, as Disney president, and then immediately wanted him fired. So the book gets into that. What caused the break between Eisner and Pixar chairman Stephen Jobs? And why did Pixar suddenly abandon its partnership with Disney? And then, um, and then why did Eisner so mistrust Roy Disney that he hired corporate spies to, to watch Roy Disney? And so... Um, and then what happened in that board meeting, September 2004, when Michael Eisner, you know, played his last card? So so it gets into all of that. And then you also see it, you get, he gets into the whole creative process that is Disney, gets into the making of The Lion King to Pirates of the Caribbean. And um, it's... And then, you know, finally, how did Eisner lose his chairmanship? Why did he feel obliged to resign as CEO in 2006? This this is absolutely fascinating. I think once you start reading this book, you'll not be able to put it down. You know, uh, so again, that's Disney Wars by um, James B. Stewart. Really, really good. So so I think all those books will give you a really good overview of of the Disney company for 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 oh, this year on our reading list. Yeah. Now I've I, I remember when Disney War came out and I never read it way back when, but probably because I was too busy in college, you know, reading textbooks and stuff that you're supposed <laughs> to, get to be your doing degree. back then. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now I I love this. I love this topic. Um, I love hearing more about the era that I grew up in and. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about uh, a documentary later on that covers part of uh, that whole era, too, which is one of my favorite things to watch. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there later. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'll be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. So uh, getting uh, our next topic class in our syllabus here is um, Disney history and sort of general knowledge of Disney. And I've... I've um, I have a bunch of things here to sort of recommend. Um, one is, again, by uh, the arch- Chief Archivist Emeritus, Dave Smith. Uh, that's Disney A to Z, the official encyclopedia. 
And th- this, this, it's exactly what it, what it is. Yep. It is an encyclopedia. It has over 500 pages of entries. There are hundreds of photographs. It goes through the history of everything. Uh, history of Disney, you know, people, park attractions, television shows, songs, animated features, shorts and films. Um, you know, actors, um, you know, uh, cast members, employees i mean almost no stone is unturned in this book everything Mm -hmm. so and i what i like most about uh about disney a to z is that um you know like like a lot of books out there especially encyclopedias it has been updated throughout the years i I believe the fifth edition of the Mm -hmm. book just recently uh was released so it's you know, it, it's not like it's it just ended when it was first released. The information's constantly being updated uh, as as much as possible. So um, that that you know, I, I like that that attention to detail. The fact that they didn't give up on it. The fact that they kept going forward with it. So yeah, I, I hope that when Dave Smith finally decides to put his quill down, that. Um, there's he has designated somebody to take over this book because this is one that deserves to be kept up. Right, the next next um, books on our list actually it's a whole series. It's by our our friend of the Diz, Disney historian and author Jim Corcus. This is his Vault of Vault series. He's now up to five volumes in this series of books. Uh, Volume 5 was just released. Uh, Each book is just an absolutely delightful collection of stories uh, about the world of Disney. It's stories about Walt himself. It's stories about people that worked with Walt. It's the theme parks, the television shows. I mean, it's just whatever. The characters. uh, These are stories that will be lost to time because uh, nobody's really bothering to write a lot of them down. So so every book, you just sort of never know what's going to be in there because Jim is constantly researching and digging up stories. So these are like little treasure troves, little little treasure chests um each of these books so i i strongly recommend that you pick oh, yeah. these up i know that when we uh when we recorded our bonus episodes with jim in in december he was researching the backstories uh that went into the planning of disney springs because you know yeah. the imagineers write backstories for virtually everything and then they don't share them and a lot of times they get lost. So he is, I, we're probably in one of the future Vault of Walt series, we're going to, we're actually going to be able to read the whole backstory of Disney Springs. And that's the kind of stuff you'll find in this series. A lot of times it's the backstories of the attractions that the public never hears about. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if, if you've listened to one Disney podcast that's outside of the Dis Unplug Network, I'm sure you've heard Jim. <coughs> He's he's definitely he he gets himself out there and uh, for very good reasons because he's a brilliant brilliant man. Um, so you know if you if you've heard him on other podcasts if you've heard him on this one and you want to see what else he has to offer in terms of information definitely start start picking up his books because there's there and uh, uh, there's one that 
he hasn't announced yet, so he can't say anything. But there's an upcoming one that uh, I'm excited to pick up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. well, there's one that I know. I think we can talk about that he told us about, and that's if anything you want to know about Gremlins. He's going to tell you. Yes. Well, that's the one I was <laughs> and, talking about. I didn't realize yeah. he already announced it at this point. So well, I know he I told us. He told us. I think he said we could. That was one that it's it's going to be released in February. Yes. So yeah. I think he said that one was okay. And we will have him on the show to talk about it. Absolutely, yes. And, and, and it's connection to Disney. Yeah. So. All right. And, well, are you ready to move on to theme parks? Let's do it. All right. Let's start out with Walt Disney World, even though we'll, we'll save Disneyland for, for last, yeah. of course. So um, one, of the, one of the best ones, since the world began, Walt Disney World, the first 25 years by Jeff Curdy. Jeff's name is going to come up a few more times. <laughs> Odds are you have at least one book by Jeff Curdy on your shelves at home, whether you know it or not. Yep. Because Jeff wrote a ton of books. He is uh, just a fantastic historian, a great storyteller, a uh, nice guy. He was a part of the creative team that designed the Walt Disney Family Museum. He worked for the Walt Disney Company. He was an Imagineer. Um, he's done all kinds of things. And so any book uh, you get with Jeff Curdy's name on it, is going to be really well done. So what he does in since the world began, Walt Disney World, the first 25 years, this is sort of, he presents everything in sort of a chronological order. He divides the history of Walt Disney World based on um, the major developments. So it's, you know, Magic Kingdom, keeping in mind now, this is the first 25 years. It's, um, you know, Magic Kingdom, then it's... Um, Epcot Center, and then it's the rest of the world and future developments. So he begins with a look at Walt Disney and his dreams for the Florida Project, and and how it and, and the importance of the New York World's Fair. And, and we've covered that in this show. And then, and then what's interesting is in his book how he sets it up. He has all of these little side notes that sort of highlight his main topics. They're in a light, like a light blue background. And, and so he presents more relevant information, you know, in those. Or yeah. what he does is he brings up um, other events or things that were going on at the same time as what his major topic was, you know, that were going on at Walt Disney World at the same time. But it, it might be maybe in another area of the of park or it might be backstory information or something like that so that you know when you see that blue those blue pages or some additional information yeah. in there and and he gets into all he he gets into everything he gets um you know the reedy creek improvement district he gets into the hotels uh, he gets into every area of Walt Disney, um, how Walt Disney World was affected by the passing of Walt. Um, anyway, it, it's really, really good. And, and of course, the one thing Jeff is really good at is including excellent um, illustrations, concept yes. drawings, paintings, photographs. He gets into attractions that were never built in this, or, you know, attractions that we remember with great fondness. And also, Jeff has a very relaxed and humorous um, 
writing style. And so so anything, again, that you own of his, it, it's very enjoyable to read. Yeah. And um, and you can and his passion for Disney comes through also in his writing. So so even though it only covers the first twenty five years, Walt Disney World, if if Walt Disney World is is the park you grew up with, you're interested in history of the park. This this is a book you want to have in your collection. Yeah, no, it, it's a must have. I was actually given mm-hmm. it a couple of years ago uh, as a gift from uh, one of our listeners and. Uh, it, it's readily available used copies on Amazon for not that much money. Uh, like Michael just said, if you grew up on Disney world, this is it. Get, get this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Then, then for folks who are, now there's that, that thing we should preface is for Walt Disney world. There's not a lot written mm-hmm. about that park and the reason and we've talked about this on connecting with Walt the reason is Walt Disney wasn't there for it there's so much written on Disneyland but it's primarily it focuses on Walt even with the Disneyland a lot of the the historical books and all that they drop off after Walt passes away and um you know, with Walt Disney, even the history of Walt Disney World, when you when you read about it, everything shifts dramatically once Walt passes away. A lot of stuff on Walt's involvement in locating it and developing it in Epcot City, and then um, after that, it's really tough to find books yeah. on on it. Couple of very good books though on Epcot Center and on Epcot City. Um, there's um, there's one Project Future, the inside story behind the creation of Disney World by Chad Denver Emerson, and this one is this one is I found it fascinating. Again, this is about Walt Disney World as a whole. This though focuses more on the business, um, the legalities that went into it, the political machinations that were necessary in order to build Walt Disney World. Um, Chad Denver Emerson is a lawyer, and he's a theme park law specialist. And, and I know he's on the disboards because I've seen him post <laughs> from time to time. So who knows? Maybe he listens to this show. Maybe. Anyway, I really enjoy this book. And but I, I'm also a teacher and I find so I find the nitty gritty, I find these kind of details fascinating. When we you know, we only skim the surface. When we talked about the Reedy Creek, you know, um yeah. improvement district in earlier episodes of Connecting with Walt, we talked about the legislation that that the Florida legislature had to pass in order to make Walt Disney World happen, what Roy went through to get the legislation passed and and all of that, we only went through the surface of it. Um, this book goes into the details. So either you're interested in this or you're not. So, yeah. um, but this, it really goes into detail about the search for the location of 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 the site for Walt Disney World, all the secrecy that was involved in it, including all the setting up of the of the um, dummy corporations and all of that. But again, into the real details of it, um, the the political situation that sort of had to be created, um, 
in order for Disney World to happen. And um, anyway, I thought it, it made me really appreciate what went into the construction of Walt Disney World. I mean, the, it wasn't like Disneyland where they just had to bulldoze, a, you know, a grove of orange trees and just start building. Yeah. I mean, the, it's remarkable what went into creating Walt Disney World. We tried to get that across in the first year of connecting with Walt, yes. but yes. this book really gets into it and all of that. So um, it's a very professorial um, book. and But um, he's also very good at uh, connecting the dots in the book. How, how events that seem unrelated really were related and and so that's interesting how he sort of weaves the tale and connects the dots and all that so um so i really recommend this book project future by chad denver emerson anyway another one um again this one focuses on the epcot that never was really Walt and the Promise of Progress City by Sam Genoway. I mentioned him a little earlier. He's an urban planner and a Disney historian and author. Uh, Sam really goes into why Walt Disney wanted to build Epcot, and he gets into uh, what would Epcot have looked like if it had been built. And what Sam really points out is. Everything that Walt based Epcot City on, it all existed. It could have happened. Things that Walt was proposing, it was not pie in the sky. It wasn't 22nd century technology that had to wait to be developed. Walt based Walt did a lot of research and he based everything on sound principles and sound concepts. Mm-hmm. And he also, though, really goes through um, this, you know, he really, this was the centerpiece of the Florida Project. This was the most important thing for the Florida Project for Walt. Um, More than the construction of the Magic Kingdom. If you remember, again, from our earlier episodes, Roy really had to convince Walt that the Magic Kingdom was needed in order to finance Epcot the city. And um, Sam also really goes into some of the essential building blocks of a Disney theme park and, and, and gets into some of the urban planning theories that Walt applied and the Imagineers applied when they designed Disneyland and Epcot Center. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets into a little into Walt's head. Um, why, why did Walt want to design you know, and build a city of tomorrow. Yeah. And he tries to answer the question, um, would would Epcot City have worked? And what elements of, of, of the design of Epcot were implemented? Because they are there, if you look yeah. for them. At least a lot of them are. And then, um, and, and also, he talks about uh, some of the other projects that were important to Walt. And he also then basically takes us to Epcot City. If it had been built, what would it have been like? And, uh, and, and, and as we traveled through Epcot City on our way to the Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, so a really good book. And I, I know I make it sound like, oh my gosh, this is going to be tough to read. Sam has, again, a very easy... Um, to read style of writing yeah. and he really explains things well breaks things down really well 
So, so really a, a really good book. Um, Craig, do you have any others? Uh, any other favorites you have about Walt Disney World? Um, in terms of Walt Disney World, I, in a, I mean, it covers beyond that. But you you did mention that Walt Disney World has always kind of gotten the shaft in terms of, um, in terms of books, but. Uh, the one thing that I, I do enjoy is um, why I can't, of course I didn't write it down and it's sitting on my shelf behind me so I can't turn around and see it right now um, uh, oh go ahead, turn around I'm, <laughs> I can't see it it's hidden back away uh, I just don't want to get the name wrong it's the uh, the mountains book oh yeah yeah um, mm-hmm why why I can't think of the name off the top of my head is is it just Disney Mountains? It's just that. It's isn't something it? like that. Yeah. Um I can't think of it either and my library's in the other room. It is yeah, it's it's literally Disney Mountains. Uh this one's not a Jeff Curdy book, surprise surprise, mm-hmm. but it is a Jason Sorrell book. Um mm-hmm. and you know, Jason Sorrell also wrote fantastic books on Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion and is just, you know, now he's He's Team Universal, which I love. Right. Um, but uh, no, he he did some great writing while he was there, and uh, so part of part of that uh, in turn goes into some of the knowledge that he shared uh, as, for Expedition Everest, which uh, the book was almost a commercial for Expedition mm-hmm. Everest, but it went over all the mountains, uh, including ones that, that never quite made it. So uh, there's a good amount of Walt Disney World. Uh, facts and, and history in there that I think is uh, is worthwhile and worthy if you can can find the book anywhere now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And he just, uh, I think, before he went to Universal, he updated the Haunted Mansion. Yes, yeah. book. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of ticked that they didn't do it for uh, Pirates as well. But oh yeah, for the Shanghai version. Well, you never know. Here's hoping he they might can do uh, that. Here's hoping they can freelance them out. Yeah. Universal won't care too much. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is a good book. I like his series yeah. of books. So, uh, now let's move on to Disneyland. Uh, well, I'm going to go back to Sam Genoway. He probably has one of the most definitive books that's out right now. It's called The Disneyland Story, The Unofficial Guide to the Evolution of Walt Disney's Dream. And it's a long book. It's, you know, 440 pages or so. Mm-hmm. A lot of end notes, a very good index. Um, what what I really like is is that he... Oh, oh the forewords by Jeff Curdy, by the mm-hmm. way. Um what I like is in all of his chapters, and he, he sort of goes through it decade by decade, or roughly. It's like decade and a half by decade or so. Um, he has a cast of characters in the beginning also. So that, you know, if you forget, okay, who is this person? Yeah. Uh, you can you can just look him up in the beginning of the book. Uh, you know, there's, of course... There's a lot of information in the 50s and 60s, but as we talked about earlier, that's when Walt was alive. So there's a lot of focus on Walt. Also, that's uh, that's really the establishment of Disneyland. That was all the groundbreaking, you know, technology and, and concepts that people had never seen before. Yeah. What's nice is he relies heavily on quotations and a great uh, bibliography in the back, and um, it's. The it 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 talks about it just goes into great detail 
on on talking about just the the, the evolution of the park, and it, it's it comes under the unofficial um, guide series, and they they do write travel guides. They, they they have unofficial guides to all Disney theme parks, the Universal Studios, you know, and other places. But this is not a travel guide. Yeah. This this really is just a book about Disneyland itself. Um, it does include um, people and stories that you would not read about in Disney publications. For example, C.V. Wood, who was Disneyland's first general manager. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find him in official Disney publications, but they, uh, but they, um, he is in this one. I mean, Sam Genoway does include anybody that had an important role in the creation of Disneyland. And there's, he has some stories that have never been published anywhere. You know, he, he also has some descriptions of attractions that were announced, but never built. Uh, he gets into more detail about how the land was chosen and acquired for Disneyland, things like that. So it's, again, it, it's a very, it's a very easy read. Don't let the length yeah. of the book deter you, but it, it's a very good Good overview of the history of Disneyland, the, the the first theme park. So, one of my favorites, one of my, those prized books in my collection, one of the most expensive books in my collection, and one of the most hardest to come by in my collection, Disneyland The Nickel Tour by Bruce Gordon and David Mumford. Uh, this is a look at the first 45 years of Disneyland's history, but... It's called the Nickel Tour because this is seen through the postcards of Disneyland, okay. and it th- th- there's um th- th- these are th- so the postcard images are photograph they have the postcard images and they have photographs of attractions that weren't released in um, postcard form. They also include historical information. Um, they, and, and they begin with the pre-opening day postcards when it was just concept art because there was nothing to photograph. And, 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 they, and that's how they work their whole way through Disneyland. They also, um, the, 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 the writing, the writing is, is humorous. It's the, they clearly love Disneyland. Um, they, they also like, uh, because I'm a writer, also they, they love wordplay. Which, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And um, anyway, so this is very, very unique. Um, they, and, and because it's based on postcards, you get to see postcards of attractions that are gone. Or attractions like the Alice in Wonderland attraction. Well, it went through a major refurbishment in the 90s. Well, you can see, or in the 80s, you can see postcards of the interior of what it looked like before the refurbishment. Oh, wow. You know, the, the upside-down room of the Mad Tea Party, you know, and things like that. So, um, so it's... It's this is this is a very important work, and I can't stress that enough. And you really get a feel for um, sort of how Disneyland evolved. And again, you just see images of the park that how uh, that, that that just don't exist anymore. Do you know how much it cost when it first came out? Because I did before we did this, I went on Amazon and oh, I looked up all the now? books, and you know. Basically, you're lucky if you can get this now for $400. Oh, I know. Um, mine's on my shelf right next to me. I can try pulling it out if I can reach it. 
and yeah. see if there's still a price on it. So um, let's see. I got mine a long time ago. Let's see yeah. here. It's a it's a sizable little book too. Let's see. Printed in Italy. I'm trying to see if there's a price on it somewhere. I do not see a price on mine. Yeah. I can um, only imagine from what I'm seeing the uh if you have a first edition copy, you know, you're gonna have to throw down mine a is, solid thousand yeah. dollars basically for it. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's the the first edition is the purple cover, right? Uh the first edition's a red cover. Red that cover, one was yeah. In 19 yeah, that's it, red cover. Mine is the blue cover. Mine's the yeah. second edition. So that one will that one will cost you four hundred. The red cover okay. will cost I, you a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did not I did not pay that much for this book. Believe me. Um, anyway, oh, but you know when I opened it, what I have tucked in here is my um, pilot certificate um, oh. for for the Mark Twain, and <laughs> that I put in here, and my oh, this is a collector's item considering what they've done. This. It's my oh no, this is my um, Jungle Cruise map. Oh yeah, that they yeah. give you. So anyway, so that's funny. But that's in here. Anyway, now now I wish there were a price tag in here. So, Go back to um, receipts. Oh, well, I don't <laughs> think the receipt for this exists anymore. <laughs> like I said, I've had this. When was this printed? Because um, I probably got it around that time. Yeah, that one was 2000. The uh, first edition was 95. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is the second edition, 2000. Yeah. So, anyway. Alrighty. Well, there you go. <laughs> so there's a big one for your wish list, yeah. boys and girls, <laughs> when you win the lottery. <laughs> Another one that'll be fun to look for is probably the second most important book, and that's Disneyland Inside Story by Randy Bright. This this was published in 1987, and this was written by Disney legend Randy Bright, and it looks at the first 30 years of Disneyland. And Randy started at Disneyland in 1959. He was a, a crew member of the Columbia Sailing Ship, and he worked at every position at Disneyland. He was a spaceman in Tomorrowland. Uh, uh, I mean, he was everything. And he, he became an Imagineer in 68, and he was a show writer. He ended up being manager of employee communications, manager of concepts and communications, director of scripts and show development, vice president of concept development, executive producer for Disneyland and Walt Disney theme parks. And... Um, he starts off with a brief history of the studio, and then he um, and then and talks about you know Walt's fascination mm-hmm. with trains and how it all led to the Anaheim Park. But then he goes through um, a history of the park and the development of each land, and he has concept art sketches, photos, and and it, this is un he he. And he really points out how amazing it was. Disneyland was created in a year, yeah. and he has he has all kinds of stories in here, and uh, and but and everything that maybe people might consider disasters, but in the Walt Disney Company they were considered learning opportunities. So th- this book was a great introduction to Disneyland. Um, he in this book, Randy looks at each ride's history. He goes into its background information, the development. Um, he puts in humor 
Um, he takes us through the first 10 years. Then we go to the World's Fair. Then we go back to Disneyland. He, um, he really gets into how they struggled with um, dealing with trying to stay ahead of, of what guests wanted, trying to stay ahead of technology. Uh, he talks about how they struggled um, in the years after Walt passed away and also their need to finally start partnering with other companies to produce some of their newer attractions. There's some beautiful um, photographs in this book and um, there, you know, there's aerial views that, you know, are hard to see in other books. And this is another book in my collection that I really prize and I refer to a lot. So, um, so that's Disneyland Inside Story by Randy Bright. So, and um, finally, and some of these, even though they've been out of print for a long time, are still available. And that is the e-ticket magazine. Yes. And um, so, are you familiar with these magazines? I am familiar with them. Uh, I've seen a lot of the uh, the articles and pictures and stuff taken from them. And when they were, I know for a while back, they were sold on like a CD-ROM back when mm-hmm. that was a thing. Um, these were pretty much like everything that I ever wanted while I was growing up and learning about Disney. Um, but I was never allowed to have it because of the price, uh, for Mm -hmm. the magazine. But now I've, I've, I, I still have never owned an actual copy of it myself, but I've tried to get all the information from inside of them as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the g- nice thing is those CD-ROMs were of the early versions yeah. of them. And uh, and uh, the nice thing is that the Walt Disney Family Museum has acquired them, and they are available at their bookstore. Yeah, so, um, But, yeah, th- th- a little background for E-Ticket Magazine, because f- f- people outside of Southern California might not be familiar with them. Yeah. Um, Leon and Jack Jansen, they grew up in Southern California in the 50s and 60s. So, of course, this was when Southern California was filled with all kinds of theme parks. And they, they, loved, they loved them. And so they created a fanzine, because this was before the Internet. So it was really tough to get information on theme parks, and they created the e-ticket, and it was devoted to their favorite theme park, Disneyland. And so the first issue was in 1986. And so what they wanted to do is they, they wrote articles on the history of Disneyland, but they would spotlight artists, Imagineers, and and other um, creative and creative people and, and like st- story writers and mm-hmm. designers and all that who helped to design and build um, Disneyland. So this was the only way before Google and the internet and all that that it, we could find out you know all of these stories about e-ticket. So it would have drawings, photos, images, a lot of which were not available anymore. They were from the early years of the park and once they weren't out in publication anymore, you didn't see them again. So this magazine got them. They were um, befriended by retired artists and imagineers, so they were able to get information that was not available to other um, other writers and all that. So, and like you mentioned, they created a CD-ROM with the early issues on those, and they produced two annuals. 
um, from the magazine. Um, I think there's now 3D, there's three CD-ROMs now okay. for that. Um, unfortunately, in... Oh, oh, this was also the first... This is the only magazine that Disneyland had sold that was a third-party vendor. Oh. You could buy these within Disneyland. Um, and sadly, though, in 2003, Leon Jensen died, and it, Jack was hit so hard by it that um, it was a year before he published uh, the magazine again. And so then in 2008, he announced that um, he was winding down the magazine. And so in 2009, he published a final issue, which highlighted the Indiana Jones ride uh, attraction. And then... um, he he did one last um, ride for himself and special guests, uh, Bob Gurr, Alice Davis, Ed Square, Dave Smith, Tony Baxter and others for one last ride. They, they went to the Carousel Griffith Park where they got to ride the horses all evening long and sit on one of the benches that sat, uh, that, you know, Walt had sat on watching his daughters go round and round. And then on December 31st, 2009, he announced he was retiring and that the end had indeed arrived for the magazine. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, the good news was the Walt Disney Family Museum a few years ago acquired all the assets of the magazine. Um, some of the issues are sold out, but they have a majority of them still there at the museum. Very these cool. these are invaluable. Yeah. These a lot of this sometimes you I'll read quotes and they all go in other books and they all go back to e-ticket magazine. And um, the, you know, there's there's information in those magazines that, that you can't get anywhere else. And diagrams and layouts of attractions and, you know, their blueprints almost and things like yeah. that. So um, anyway, so yeah, if you can get your hands on those e-ticket magazines... I strongly recommend yeah. you do it. And I believe a lot of what's available, you can also, like many things uh, from the Walt Disney Family Museum, buy them online. Yes. So. And if you're a member, every month they send you the um, discount code for online purchases. So don't don't delete that email yeah. <laughs> you get from them every month until you go to the very bottom of the email and see <laughs> what your discount code is. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, shall we move? We've talked about the theme park. Should we talk about if you want to learn how to design one? Sure. What you should read? Why not? Okay. Well, okay, getting into theme park design. Um, of course, we've had this author on the show about a year ago. Yep. Theme park design and the art of themed entertainment by David Younger. Uh, this, we had David on the show on episode nine of Connecting with Walt back on January 29th, 2016. It was entitled yeah. Designing a Whole New World. And David's book, after you go through this book, you can just go out and design your own part. I mean, <laughs> anyway, this goes into every area and technique that a theme park designer needs to know. Um it gets into story design, set design, park and attraction layout design, shop design, um, roller coaster design, fireworks design, character design, lighting design, flat ride design. And it pulls all of this together and, um, and, 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 it, and, it, and it has 
there's there's hundreds of interviews in here. Um, they don't just talk to design. David didn't just talk to designers from Walt Disney Imagineering. Talked to designers from Universal Creative, Merlin Entertainment, and, and a whole lot more. Um, he he gets into everything: the stories, themes, and characters that that bring the park to life. He gets into the business model of it, um, the processes, the techniques that allow a theme park to to thrive and yeah. grow. Uh, th- but you know what? Th- this isn't just a, a, a handbook for um, if you're in the, in the field. I mean, if you are, this is a great book. If you're a student or aspiring student who, want, who wants to work in theme parks or, or, or in design of some sort, this is a great textbook. But if you're just a theme park fan, and you want to know what just goes on behind the scenes? Um, what? How do they put a parade together? How do they put a fireworks show together? Yeah. It it's great for that. Um, what goes into the planning of your favorite uh, dark ride? Uh, it, it goes into that. So whatever depths you want to get into in in creating a theme park, it's there. Whatever you want to get out of it, uh, however. Um, light or however deep you want to go you you can you know in this book so it's a fascinating book and it's one of those books where you don't start at page one and go to page i don't know 800 or what is 600 whatever it is i i just jump in i I find a topic i'm interested in or if there is a topic i'm researching i just go into the index and i i i just find what i'm looking for so it's sort of that kind of a book I, I don't think you're going to curl up by the fire and, and just start, you know, start at chapter one and, yeah. and go through. I mean, maybe you are, but um, anyway, but great book. Yeah. So, okay. Another one, because I, I, I do get, I get a lot of people asking about architecture and, and design and all that theme park. So not only um, David's book, as I mentioned, another really good one is Building a Dream, The Art of Disney Architecture by Beth Denlop. Um, if this really covers the, t- the architecture that was commissioned in the era of Michael Eisner, because whether you like it or not, um, Michael Eisner was really into... I don't know what would you call it, Greg? Like signature architecture. Uh, I, I mean, That's there's a, nice a word. Way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, definitely distinctive architecture. Body. Yeah. Well, some people would say that. Yeah. So um, anyway, so she, so so Beth Den, um, Dunlop, she looks at you know some of the the architecture of the parks, including all the parks. Um, there's. Uh, she looks at the offices, the Team Disney buildings. She also looks at some other, um, some of the hotels and, and other buildings and all of that, and goes into the the the, the ideas and the stories behind the structures. Um, she gets into the architects that designed them, and so and sort of the standards uh, that Disney set for postmodern architecture. So you know, so. A lot of the projects that Michael Isaac commissioned, they, they're quirky, 
They're certainly fantastic, um, a bit surreal sometimes, but a lot of them are icons, no matter what you think of them. And so, uh, so a lot of good pictures. This is a, this is definitely a coffee table sized book. Um, good architectural drawings, uh, great photographs, and and a good easy to read, um, you know, text. Mm-hmm. That's really easy to understand. A lot of interviews, things like that. <clears throat> so, whatever you might think of <clears throat> this style of architecture that that is the hallmark of this era of Disney, um, if you want to learn about it, this is a great book for that. So, yeah. anyway. Um, and then, again, just designing a theme park, these are some of my favorites, and I wish they would update them the imagineering field guides and 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 they say they're by the imagineers but they, they were written by alex wright mm-hmm. who is an imagineer and uh he knows history and design you know disney history and design what what's nice about the first of all it's amazing what he can cram into these books because it's they're four inches by nine inches but um so the art is a little small but um this is great these books are great to take with you in the parks. I mean, oh, yeah. I'll throw it in my backpack or have them in my pocket. Um, they're, you know, they're great to look at in a queue or, or as you eat or something. The, these are, um, this is something, you know, if you just sort of want to, um, you, uh, if you really just are, you're a Disney geek like we are and you want to just really learn more about the parks themselves or you're just um, you're you're studying the parks I mean whatever it might be um, these are just nice little books yeah no they're uh, they are not jam-packed full of information I mean there's a lot of stuff there Um, a good amount of the tidbits and things thrown in are stuff that if, if you are an uber disney fan you're already going to know it but for for the person who's just starting to get into imagineering and uh you know wants a a broken down guide about every single attraction uh broken out by land um it's perfect for that reason and they're kind of like the uh in a way uh the next two books we're going to talk about it they're they're kind of like the the little mini version that you can take Mm -hmm. on the go uh, of our our next right. series, right? Yeah, these are also nice little books. Like um, if you're on the plane flying to your favorite Disney park, yeah. nice little books to read on the plane. Yeah, and all of that as well. So, um, so as I as I think I read somewhere, or it might be it's in the books. Like having an Imagineer in your back pocket. Yeah. They 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 also have a nice little intro in each of them about a lot of all the different areas in Imagineering. Because everybody always thinks Imagineering, they think, oh, you're designing audio animatronic figures. There's a whole lot more in Imagineering that you can do. Um, it isn't just designing these AA figures. And and the, the books all have a little intro. They talk about all the different fields within Imagineering that yeah. you can get into. And there is a lot oh, of fields. Yeah, no, there, there absolutely is. Uh, you know, I praise imagineers for the work that they do but um uh, on topic not on topic with that though but uh one of the 
tours I got lucky enough to be chosen through like Disney Parks blog or something was to go on a tour of Expedition Everest in the morning and hear about the secrets and the histories and there was going to be an Imagineer there to talk to us about all of it um, there was an Imagineer there but her focus was on rock work and so a hmm. lot of it was just her talking about how they would study rocks and then try to recreate them and you know, for me, that's not my area of Imagineering that I find interesting rock work. But for a lot of people out there, it is. And so, you, But you never think about that when you think of Imagineering. You don't think of stuff as simple as rocks and, and you know, plant recreating plant life, stuff like that. You just, it, it's not on your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, like I said, yeah, there's all kinds of facets to yeah. it. So, yeah, when I um, when I uh, did the dining with an Imagineer at Disney Hollywood Studios, our Imagineer was in um, procurement. Yeah, we learned all about how you purchase the items that yeah. you need to make a an attraction. Not exactly what everyone's idea was that they exactly. thought they would, but that is part of Imagineering. So, yes, yes, it anyway, is. Anyway, so anyway, next two books, definitely, if you like the pocket guides, the field guides, well, then these next two books are really the ones for you. Um, Walt Disney Imagineering, a behind-the-dreams look at ma- making magic real by the Imagineers. And this was released in 1996, and it was one of the first books that really took us inside of Imagineering. It, it's not one of those tell-all, behind-the-scenes books, but it's it, it really got, gives you a good idea of what Imagineers do and, and what they and, and and all of that. It's um, if you're a if you're a Disney Parks fan, you know. Again, this this is a, this is a really a good book for you. There is uh, there is five major chapters in the book. Uh, there, all of them have incredible concept art, paintings, drawings, sketches, um, good text in there too. But you just start looking at the um, images, and it's uh, and again, this is by Bruce Gordon and David Mumford. Um, who've done a number of, of the Imagineering books. Um, chapter one is a spark. It looks at creativity, defines what the Imagineers consider brainstorming. Like they say, no idea is ever thrown away. Um, you know, they, they live on, you know, because there are never any bad ideas. Um, chapter two is the fantasy. It's the, it's the largest one. And they talk more about the ne- what's the next step in towards creating the ride. Um the progress with more concrete ideas, artworks, concepts, you know, and and really nailing down how's the story going to be told in the real world, three dimensional world. So um, anyway, so there's a lot more emotion and feeling in this. A lot of artwork yeah. in this section of the book. So it goes through the entire creative process in here: it, storyboards, scale models, you know, everything through the whole development process of the final product. Yeah, no. Chapter th- mm-hmm. Yep. Sorry. It, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, no. Go ahead. Chapter no. three is Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And here you get. Here you. Chapter two is the big picture. Um, this chapter is more the individual details. Um, 
you get to see the architectural site plans in this chapter. There's a lot of artwork of the ride vehicles, color schemes, you know, things like that. So it's covered in this book. And 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 they also show you in this chapter some of the cutting edge edge technology at the time that they were going that they were developing. So and then chapter four is making it real. And this is all about constructing and installing the show sets, the vehicles, the buildings, and there's construction photos from every era of the Disney Park, starting from Disneyland all the way to Disneyland Paris. And um, and in Chapter 5 is The Magic. And basically, there's two pages that's devoted to every Disney theme park that existed at the time. Um, there's historic photos and then current photos. And, well, current, again, for the time. And, um, and then it, and also the Imagineers talk about what they think defines the magic of the theme parks so this is um just an exquisite book yeah and then they followed it up (laughs) with a sequel uh walt disney imagineering a behind the dreams look at making more magic real and this just they get even closer It, it gets more into what they do how they do it uh, gets into their theories, explains more of the tools they used, um, where they use them, how they use them. Uh, a lot of the, it, it, there's a really good peek into the research and development lab to, to see, uh, shows what else is coming um, down the road. Um, the, the, and Imagineers tell their own stories. This is a lot more about how they got there, what they do on a daily basis. Um, when they when they go into the parks, what do they show their friends and families? And they talk about what does it take to become an Imagineer? And and the the photographs and and art and everything in here is even more lush yeah. Yeah. than the previous book. So, do you have these books? Oh yeah, I have okay. both of them. Um, they're you know, I kind of look at these two as like the Old Testament and the New Testament of Imagineering, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're just they're they're fascinating. I I've read through each of them once, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone through just looking at the pictures over mm-hmm. and over again. They are they are absolutely brilliant, and um, they you need to pick them up and. Um, I, I like with a lot of these theme park design books that we've been recommending here. You know, starting with the field guys, I feel like those are the the precursor. The big Imagineering books are the next one to move on to if you're interested. But then, if you're really into the nitty gritty of, of what goes on being an Imagineer, and you really want a lot of the intricate stuff, then the uh, the next book, the one by John Hench is the 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 final one to go mm-hmm. to uh and it's personally one of my favorite books that i own and uh it, it's designing disney it comes in and out of uh in and out of stock every now and then i don't i think disney put out a brand new copy of it a couple of years ago and since it's sold out they they haven't had it around but um you know they've they've put out at least one or two editions of it and it's it's almost even better than the Imagineering books in my eyes. Yeah. 
Yeah, this I think they put out two editions. I have the second one, which is they added a little more detail to it yeah. um, than the first, but not a tremendous amount. Um, it's called Designing Disney, Imagineering, and the Art of the Show by John Hench. And it's funny you say that this is the best one because Marty Sklar recently told me that he believes this is the best book ever written on yeah. theme park design. And so the, the book is divided into four main areas, the art of the show, the art of visual storytelling, the art of character, and the art of color. And so John Hench does just an amazing job. I mean, he, he um, breaks down each of these areas, how they're used to design a park, design an attraction, design buildings. And he... Um, and it's filled with examples through his artwork, concept art, photographs. Uh, there's a lot of his stories and personal recollections through there. Um, he, you know, in this book, you learn about what is it that makes the parks work so well, yeah. really. And he, he, he also talks about really what what is it about the parks that make them popular? What is it about the characters? That, that, that make them popular, that make them timeless. Yeah. And um, why why does all of this resonate in our lives? Um, and my favorite section, though, I was fascinated by it, was the art of color section. I mean, when he talked about how many shades of white he has, yeah. you know, and how... Um, you know they you know he had the color palette for main street of disneyland but then when they used the color palette on main street in the magic kingdom in florida it didn't work they were washed out because the sun was so much brighter yeah. there and they had to come up with a whole different color palette and and they had to do the same then in in disneyland paris it was a completely different thing because there it's cloudy much of the time so they needed a different color palette there, and it was, uh, it was, it was just so different. You know, um, it was amazing how they had to repaint a lot of Future World just because of the way the sunlight worked on right. on on the buildings, yeah. and he didn't like it, so he made them repaint the whole thing. Yeah, never thought I would have cared so much about paint until this book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's just remarkable. Yeah. And so this is, again, another book that I prize in my collection. Like you said, I, I do yeah. think it's it's the it's not one of the best. It's definitely the best, you know, I don't know yeah. in there. So anyway, so so if you can get your hands on that one, let, um, do that. So try to get it. So anyway, so there you go. Now you know how to um, design a theme park. And you've learned the history of the theme parks. Let's get into some Disney animation and art. Uh, And um, there's one series I really like, and that's the Walt Disney Animation Studios, the Archive series. And there's a number of books. the, um, The first one is Story. Then there's Design. Then there's Layout and Background and Animation. And the concept behind this series started with the support of John Lasseter. And he said that he was inspired um, for these books after he spent hours in the animation research library um, looking through Disney's um, you know, animation archives. And so he wanted to share a lot of this art with um, the public. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, 
So anyway, so he wanted to make sure it just wasn't lost to time. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so the first one's story. This book is is about storyboards rather than the Disney storytelling process. So it goes through um, hundreds of storyboard panels that are included in the book. So it goes. It has movies. It has short episodes. It has storyboards for the Three Little Pigs, Snow White, Dumbo, Alice in Wonderland, Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast, and a lot more. The latest one is um, Lilo and Stitch, mm-hmm. and um, and anyway, so there's like one to six storyboards on each page. Um, some of them have some descriptions and scribbles and all that, but um, the sequences aren't complete. But it just shows how storyboard techniques are applied and like how they're used to show where scenes should be cut, how scenes should be composed, how cameras should be moved, you know, things like that. Yeah. So <coughs> excuse me. It's not an instructional book though, but it's um it's a really it's really interesting if you're into storyboards. Yeah. So design it's um it has uh, it's has a lot of pre-production and design art watercolors drawing sketches color studies um digital paintings um Ivan Earl's paintings for Sleeping Beauties are in here Sleeping Beauties are in here Chris Sanders storybook inspirational art for Lilo and Stitch is in there a lot of character designs for um for some of the but you know, like by Glenn Keane and Andreas Deja, uh, there's some pages for Black Cauldron, which you um, doesn't get a lot of attention anymore. Yeah. Um, character sketches by Tim Burton, and um, this is it's a really nice art book, and um, it shows you how the elements of character, color, design, and background all come together. So it, it's really really nice, and. Um, layout and background is the next one and that's basically what it's about it's about layouts and backgrounds so the backgrounds of course are the static images you know and then the characters you know props and special effects are all laid out on them uh, the backgrounds are works of art by themselves and then uh, and, and then um, the layouts are the technical drawings that lead to the backgrounds. They tell the filmmakers what's going to be happening during the animation process and on the screen. So lots of excellent examples in there. Yeah. And um, and then the, the last one is the um, animation. And um, John Lasseter um, mentions in the introduction to this one that his um, the his first job in college was pulling animation sequences from the morgue. And so Disney's, uh, so um, this book is filled with the animation boards from the morgue, and these are the boards that before the cleanup process and before the sketchy, you know, pencil lines are removed and colors and backgrounds are added. So this it's primarily on character art and animation, mm-hmm. and how um, how they make the characters come to life, how they make them act or emote, and um, so there's a lot of expressions um, in here. And all that. So, a um, lot, lot of artwork by legendary artists are included in all these books. So, th- 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 these are fairly expensive books, but if you can afford the copies, um, you know, get them. I mean, yeah. it's a great series. They're coffee table size, but the the, the images in them are, are just beautiful. So, 
And and then there's the classic um, Disney animation, The Illusion of Life by Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston. So um, if for, for our younger listeners, they may not know Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston are probably the best known of Disney's Nine Old Men. They were the, the group of animators that worked at the Walt Disney Studios during what's called the Golden Age of Animation. They worked on classics like Sleeping Beauty, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Lady and the Tramp. And this is when Disney worked to you know, elevate animation to an art form. And so in this book, the Illusion, Disney Animation Illusion of Life, Frank and Ollie, they talk about how did the Disney studio raise animation to an art form? And they and they do it from the perspective of the artists that, that work there. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes through the beginning of you know, Walt Disney Animation. And but it's not a history book. They they talk about the principles and techniques that were discovered and developed by the the Disney artists as they created these films. Um, they tell you about the twelve principles of animation that Disney's Nine Old Men um, developed, uh, and they talk about just about every facet and technique of animation um, production. They talk about storytelling, how Disney characters are developed. Um, but it isn't all just text. There's hundreds of animation drawings, um, background paintings, animation cells, production charts. Um, there's even like memos and notes and 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 photographs and all of that. So um, just just a fantastic book. And you know what? It, it and the, and the concepts in here still apply today, uh, e- even with three with computer graphics. Um, you know, CG animators, they still look at all of these principles from 2D animation uh, in computing, in, in, in um, creating, you know, CG animation. They, they, they still have to know art styles and they still have to know um, the principle of timing, motion arcs, uh, squash and stretch and all of that. So, um, so again, if you're a lover of animation... Uh, definitely this book is is one for you yeah so and auto and finally let's get into some important autobiographies and biographies of people in in the in the history of disney uh, another person that passed away recently um in service to the mouse my unexpected journey to becoming disneyland's first president by jack lindquist um jack lindquist worked for 38 years at disney he 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 definitely started from the beginning um this he really lets you know i mean how they were just making it up as they went along i mean you get that feel for it everything disneyland was in those early years it it was new everything was trial and error i mean jack started out as an advertising manager and he ended his career as the very first president of disneyland um he he started things like um, Grad Night and Civic Days and Disney Dollars. Um, he, he he when he wrote this book, he I, I don't know you know you, you get to that age in life you really don't care what you say yeah. anymore. Jack was at that age in life when he wrote this book, 
Um, it's hilarious. Jack knew where the bodies were buried, and he tells you in the book. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't care anymore. I mean, he just told it like it was in the book. The book is delightful. Um, Jack was also, though, on the team to get approval and funding for Epcot Center's World Showcase. And he, again, he talked, this was a project no one had ever taken on before. He talks about what that was like, um, what it was like uh, trying to, to speak with a dignitary or a royal family member to, to, to show them concept art and models for a pavilion that, that they wanted them to sponsor. Um and and you know you you also get a feel for the change in the in the corporate atmosphere after Walt Disney passed away and um but you know it's it's um he speaks his mind but what you know is is that what Jack wanted was always he always wanted what was best for the parks and um, so this is definitely what uh, if you want an unbiased account of what it was like to work for Disney in those early years, uh, this is the book for you. Yeah, definitely. So um, anyway, um, another good one. Jeff Curdy is back on our list again. Walt Disney's Imagineering Legends and the Genesis of the Disney theme parks. And this what what. What he does here, what Jeff does here, is he he gets into the legends of Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, he it's this is an introduction to thirty of the most famous um, and important Imagineers who um, created the theme parks. And and he and as he tells the story of these thirty people, he takes us through a history of Imagineering. So again, this is very unique. And the way he categorizes them is by that he has the proto shop or prototype Imagineers, the placemakers, the story department, the model shop, the machine shop, the music makers, the unofficial Imagineer. And then he has special um, chapters sort of for Walt Disney and for John Hench. So um, again, this is a very unique book, but a very important book. Yeah, I Um, I love this one too. mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, and then a book um, building a company, Roy O. Disney: The Creation of an Entertainment Empire by Bob Thomas. Um, you know, again, something that we've really tried to stress is is on connecting with Walt is telling Roy's story and how he and Walt together created this huge Disney empire that we enjoy. Um, you know, Roy was eight years older than Walt. And he was always protective of Walt. And he was protective of Walt when he was a little boy. He was protective of Walt when they were business partners. And he was protective of Walt after Walt passed away. And to the point that Roy, you know, postponed retirement to ensure that Walt Disney World was built. And then he died shortly after, you know, the Magic Kingdom was opened. And this... So this book, um, you know, building a company, Bob Thomas tells a Disney story from a different side. We we get a much b- more well-rounded look at Roy. Um, you know, it, it's um, it's a very easy read. Um, again, it, it goes back to the family's very early days, but it goes through each stage of the brothers' lives, and and 
each and and how they shared the challenges and success as their company grew. Um, it, 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 I mean, it's it's just. It's just such a nice story of Roy, and it and it, and, it, and it reminds us of what a tough road it was um, for Walt and Roy, and as they struggled and and, and as the, as they achieved what they did, you know they they were both headstrong and and, and they they were both persistent and. Um, you know, and, and as Walt was brilliant in in, in being a creator and an innovator, uh, you know, Roy was brilliant as a negotiator that really helped him um, create Walt Disney World. So uh, anyway, you know, and he gets into uh, some of the major conflicts between Roy and Walt, yeah. but how you know they they still got through it. They're they're love for each other got them through it so um anyway a good book i really recommend and then a couple of series of books um walt the waltz people series by dda guess um the waltz people series is edited by dda guess i think he's up to like volume 17 or something by now this is a collection of some of the best interviews um, ever conducted with people that worked um, with Walt. Um, it has good eyewitness information. Um, he's created, not he's gathered up not only interviews, but articles um, and, and things like that that probably would have been lost to time if he didn't do the research and gathered them up. And... Um, yeah, I, I go to this series all the time. And again, this is one of those books where uh, his he's referenced a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I find references to DDA Getz. He's written a lot of other books as well. But there's always references to what he's managed to pull together in other books and all of that, too. So I would definitely um, start adding these books to your collection, um, the Waltz People series. Um Working with Walt. This is a little two-book series right now. Um, it's interviewers with animators, producers, and artists. This is by Don Perry. It's similar to Walt's People series, but Don Perry conducted all these interviews personally since he was a young man up until now. Um, he's a Disney historian. He teaches a class. He's taught classes. I think on Disney history. I know him through the Walt Disney Family Museum. I always like it when he's going to, um, he's a man after my own heart. When I know he's going to lead a talk, you know, the museum likes them to do the presentation for 45 minutes to 50 minutes, leaving 10 minutes for questions. I know Don will go for two hours. <laughs> so, because he is so thorough and so knowledgeable. And, that, and that's the kind of thing I like. So his working with Walt series is very, very good. A lot of good interviews that you won't find anywhere else except in his books. So, and then there's um, a brush with Disney, an artist's journey told through the words and work of Herbert Dickinson Ryman. Um, it's edited again, Bruce Gordon and Dave Mumford. This was in celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Ryman program for young artists. Uh, the Ryman Carroll Foundation is. Um, 
it it's it's a book it's a foundation to promote um and and sponsor young artists and uh, what was cool is is that on dreams unlimited travel gave this book as a gift to dizzers on one of the dis unplugged podcast cruises when marty scalar was a guest speaker so this is um a huge book and it it, it has um color illustrations of artist herb ryman's personal you know, it, it tells his whole personal journey around the world and through sort of his um, journey through Disney and his relationship with Walt Disney. Um, there's uh, he was an artist for fifty over fifty years, and so um, a lot of his artwork has never been seen really except in this book. And uh, there's a lot of his own personal notes and thoughts in there. Um, if you like Disney art, this book is just filled with it but it it's just, but it's also a story of a master artist um and, and and he records and how he recorded his thoughts and travels throughout his career through his art um he he also developed a lot of um artwork for animated features um for disneyland for epcot center and for other theme parks um he played uh he just played a significant role in the success of Disney, but um, he dedicated his life to art. And this book, um, his this book tells that story. It's it's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful book. Well, you know, even though we've talked, we said we were going to get into Disney films and documentaries and music and recordings, we've we've given such an incredible list of books to tell that I think, you know, the reading list for our students in this Disney 101 is so extensive, Craig, that I think maybe we need to, um, let's save all of the um, audiovisual um, yeah. requirements of Disney 101 for a later episode, shall we? I, we'll we get you smart by reading all these books, and then we'll give you a little eye candy later on. <laughs> yes, that sounds good. Some eye and ear candy. Yes. So, uh, I can't um, forget about the ear candy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, well, thank you. We hope you en- you've enjoyed this reading list. And um, so as you come across these books and you read them, be sure you let us know. Um, you know what you think of them. Did you enjoy them? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have other favorites? Uh, that you would add to the list. And I think we'll probably start making this maybe an annual episode because as we cover other topics on Connecting with Walt, we'll we'll come across other books that we'll want to recommend to you. Oh, yeah. And there's new books getting released more and more often, especially uh, in, in the world of Disney. I think they finally figured out that we like collecting books on the topics. So That's right. Only took them long enough. <laughs> That's right. So, well, you know, they know Disney people. We like, we like to learn more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, thank you, and um, and I hope that you will join us next time for episode twenty six of Connecting with Walt, in which Craig and I continue our examination of Walt Disney's animated films with a look at Walt Disney's Alice in Wonderland series. So, Craig, until our next episode, where else can our listeners find you on the Diz Unplugged Podcast Network? Uh, of course, you can find me every Tuesday on the Disney World Edition podcast. You can find me uh, Thursdays on the Universal Edition. Uh, every now and then, 
popping up on Diz Pop. And I feel like I'm in a million other places. And I, I'm sure I am. So, uh, yeah, you, you'll see me a lot here, there, and everywhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds good. And you can find me every Sunday night on the Disney Unplugged Podcast Disneyland Edition with my good friends Tom Bell, Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Mulata Willie, and Tony Spatel, where we have lots of fun talking about Walt's Park that started it all, and all Southern California theme parks, the Walt Disney Family Museum, and even more Disney history. Listen to us live on Mixler, Sundays at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, Disneyland Time. And be sure to stay for the Blue Hour. And if you're curious as to what that is, listen to us live on Mixler, Sundays. You can download our two weekly shows from iTunes each Monday. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. You can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. On Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. And Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. <laughs>